Hello everyone and uh, welcome to Thinking Aloud About Film. Uh, this is our 41st uh, Youssef Shaheen podcast. Uh, we'll be looking today at uh, The Nightingale's Prayer, a film from, is it 1956? 59. 59, 59 yeah. So the, the yeah. year, to put it in context, so it's not a Shaheen film, it's the year after Cairo Station came out, so it's sort of, and a few years after things like struggle struggle in the valley and uh, yes. the sun. it stars Fatem Hamama and you can immediately see why both this film directed by Henry Barakat uh, and Hamama herself uh, turned into a sensation this is quite an extraordinary it's film, amazing yeah and, and, it, and it's a, yeah. one of the few I'd say few Egyptian films of that era other than Shaheen films that, that has a, a sort of international reputation and and, and had uh, you know was released internationally i think you know there, there was a dvd at some point um it was listed in um peter bradshaw in the guardian did a list of the the 20 best african films and and this was number 19 and shaheen had two or three entries to put that into context the following week they did the 20 best nicholas cage films so there are as far as the Guardian is concerned, there are as many good <laughs> African <laughs> films as there are Nicolas Cage <laughs> films, which did cause a degree of um, eyebrow racing. <laughs> but there, yeah, there you go. It's, it's nice that they did an article about African cinema. Um, but but yeah, it's I, I, th I thought it was excellent. Uh, yeah, really, really good. Um, I, I want to describe it a little bit. And actually, I thought that the, the way we would go about it today, perhaps, is if, you know, if we can just uh, uh, tell the story bit by bit, and then consider the implications, because, you know, I think this is kind of an extraordinary women's film, an extraordinary melodrama. It has a real feminist edge that is really very little seen in uh, Anglo-American cinema of this period uh, in as blunt a way. And I think it really deserves uh, attention uh, from all of these perspectives. So... Um, the film is based on a, a novel by Tara Hussein that came out in 1934. Uh, and the film begins with a woman who is a maid in a house. And then you hear this man's voice and this man's hand. Yeah. So you never see the man at the very beginning of the film. And then the, the, the voiceover, this woman that we see tells us how miserable life is and how she had only been happy before in her village yeah and then the 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 uh the story then moves on to show us this village this life but it turns out that her father was an adulterer her mother is being warned that he, the father will get into trouble from the things that he's doing and in fact the father drives dead on his horse into the village a jealous husband or whatever has finally caught on to him but instead of this being the end of the story, which in some cultures it would have been, yeah, the adulterer is punished, yeah, the adultery taints the whole family. And the uncle, uh, who's the head of the family, decides that the only solution to this is for the family, who's composed of a mother and two daughters, to be kicked out of the village. And the only money they're given is basically only enough money to eat on their way somewhere else. Yeah, any any thoughts on this so far? Yeah, it, I mean, that was amazing, wasn't it? The, the sort of amazing opening, because you've initially got that, that sort of 
uh, you know, mysterious opening in, 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 in the house with the hand and, and the voice. And then, and then you go to the village and, and it's totally this, this sort of, um, awful, you know, patriarchal society where, you know, the, the women are blamed, essentially the women are blamed for the, the sins of the men. And this is, this is the theme throughout the film really, isn't it? That, that uh, yes. you know, the, the women are victims of the men, but, but are, they are punished for for being, being victims, victims of yeah, the men. Yeah, because they, they should have, and, you know, is, is sadly topical still, isn't it? That, that, you know, essentially as well, it's viewed as, you know, this is the women's problem. They shouldn't have allowed this to happen to them. Yes. Um, so what happens next in the story is that the women go on the road uh, and they end up in this village where, of course, they're now poor, they're homeless, they have to go and make a living. And they end up as maids to prominent people in this small town. One of the sisters, uh, the Fatim uh, Hamama character, ends up uh, as a maid uh, in a family, uh, so by working there, she learns all of these different tasks, you know, that her mistress teaches her, but also learns to read, learns to write, learns to play the piano. Yeah, you know, she acquires kind of these skills uh, that uh, were not uh, possible uh, in her village. Her sister, on the other hand, ends up becoming the maid to a bachelor. Yeah, so, you know, in this whole thing, can one be a maid to a bachelor? Yeah, can one preserve their honor by being a maid to... And, of course, what happens is that um, this engineer uh, tricks her, tells her he's in love, and, of course, has sex with her, and the implication is that she's made pregnant. Which means that the mother sends all of them packing on the road once more, and without telling the sisters, she lets the uncle know. And the uncle's solution is to kill the sister, yeah, and blame the death on the plague, which is incredible. Now, do you have anything to, to add? To well, this? no, as I say, it's, I mean, this, as, you, as you say, this is the theme of the film, and this is sort of, again, women being blamed for men's actions, but also it being seen that the honour of the woman is more... Is more important than her life, right? So you know, if she's lost her honor, then then she has to die. Uh, and and, right. what, and what's very interesting about that is that the mother is complicit in this as well. I, I think that's one of the things that the film is most interesting about because it's a real woman's film. It really mainly focuses on the interrelationships between women as they face the patriarchy. They're all victims of the patriarchy. Really, but you know, it's the it's it's women who get the ball rolling. Yeah, so in this case, the mother, and you're never sure watching the film whether she knew what the outcome of telling her brother would be. Yeah, uh, uh, she says not, and she's driven crazy by having lost her daughter. On the other hand, yeah, kind of the film doesn't make that clear uh, certainly uh, uh, at the beginning. And then, of course, there's all these supporting characters. Uh, I was reading a review, you know, that mentioned, um, you know, that woman who I understood as kind of running a brothel. Yeah, but, uh, you know, who in these reviews she's mentioned as running a service agency <laughs> finds maids. Well, I, but I, th I think it's clear that it, it's essentially it's 
they're providing they're providing maids, but I think they're also providing maids in 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 um, quotation marks, right? And because there's this whole thing about her trying to find jobs for the girl, and you know, she said, "Well, you turn you turn down all these nice." Um, honourable households, and you've got you. You said you want to work in this one, so the implication is the woman who runs this agency knows exactly what what she what situation she's putting people into. Well, also it's understood in the film that basically uh, any woman, any maid who um, is is expected to be uh, to put out that she will be sexually harassed, and you know one of the questions is. Uh, does the family have any young men? Yeah, right. Yeah. And actually, if they have young men, that's kind of something to be aware of because the young men will jump on you, right? So these are women who are constantly being sexually harassed, uh, yeah, who are constantly being used, but who are punished if they give in, mm. but who have no way out. Yeah. So actually, you know, this is the impossible situation that patriarchy puts women mm. in. Yeah. A very topical uh, issue at the moment here in the exactly, UK. exactly. Yeah, I put out uh, certain um, themes that uh, we do see uh, in uh, Shaheen's uh, films. So there's always this fascination with modernity, yeah, with change, with society in the process of change. So you know, these are illiterate women. Yeah, they've never seen. A That's, I thought that was so amazing because when they. You know, they first see a train. It's like, oh my god, it's a demon! And they, and you know, they they'd never seen a train before. They'd never seen a piano before. You know, they, they don't yeah. know what French is. All all of this kind of stuff um, was yeah. fascinating, and, and that was quite interesting because up up to that point, um, and it, and and you see see the same thing in some of the Shaheen films actually of the same era that that there, there there'll be these scenes set in the village, and they could be set any time for in the last however many centuries. Um, so certainly the, those scenes in the village where they're banished, but it's all you know horseback, and they're all ba- they're banished by the the uncle. That could have been set in you know the seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth century. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but actually, you, you then you then suddenly suddenly you see a train. It's like okay, this is this is modernity, and there's, you know, the, and the, what the other comment that, that really kind of quite seemed quite jarring was when suddenly halfway through the film somebody says to one of the characters oh there's there's a phone call for you and so what there, there are phones <laughs> and yes. it's like oh right okay this is set in the this is set in the 1930s presumably when the, when the book was written i i found that uh very interesting because you know it kind of demarcates a society in the process of change it's the very foundation of you know, of the film. And actually, I would also say it's one of the foundations of melodrama. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of which, um, you know, uh, this film is a, is an archetypal example. It really is about uh, the difference between what society says you can be and what society allows you to be, you know, and the murderous, frustrating sadness in between. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, kind of what you what what you should be, yeah. But what actually you're not allowed to be. So you know, how could you be chased if you know everyone's always jumping on you and the structures don't offer you any protection against that? And yet, if you're not chased, you die, and maybe you die, and your whole family dies with you. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, yeah. Kind of the stakes are so high, and the situation is so impossible, and that is really the terrain of melodrama, I think. And one of the reasons why the film is so interesting is because we see it 
we think it's something in the past. You know, we say this could have been said in, you know, the, the 1500s or the 1700s or what. Well, it's still being played out in different forms now. Yeah, yeah. yeah? Uh, so I kind of, um, I really loved it. I loved the beginning uh, that sets it as a kind of a gothic mystery. In some ways, that element of it reminded me, but firstly, of things like that, the... Um, the Taiwanese film we watched recently, The Bride Is Returned from Hell, this kind of gothic melodrama, but also it very much reminded me of, of some of those films with, it would normally be James Mason, you know, like um, The Seventh Veil or The Man in Grey, where he's he's this sort of, um, you know, cruel, abusive figure, but still somehow lovable. <laughs> it's it's uh, yes. that, that was quite an interesting comparison, I think. I think one of the achievements of the film is the tone, right? Because... From what I understand, the novel is pretty much a monologue. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's her uh, talking to the nightingale. That's right. And so, and this is a film in which, you know, the voiceover does a lot of the work of the storytelling. Yeah. But actually, it didn't feel uh, a problem to me the way that it, yeah, that it sometimes does. It's in keeping with this tone, you know, of this young girl uh, who looks around her and all she sees is unfairness and betrayal and one of the most powerful things in melodrama as in life uh, you know, <laughs> according to Pedro you know melodrama is life it's you know melodrama is so moving because it's what life's about <laughs> it's about your family who you know is there to protect you and instead of protecting you is the one that's causing all the problems it's your relatives that are raping you and your mom who gets you killed and like yeah yeah this is yeah. kind of how it gets played out yeah in in this film uh in interesting ways that actually still resonate yeah because part of the injustice the unfairness yeah part of what the audience cries about is the unfairness and why is it unfair yeah well because that which should protect you is that which oppresses you. Yeah, in, yeah. In various forms. In this case, in quite carnal forms. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Though the film is very tactful about what it... What it it's, yes, I mean, there's, obviously there's, a, there's presumably censorship issues there. and, and um, But but also it's, um, it remains ambiguous uh, about some of what may or may not have happened. So you, you don't, for instance, you don't see anything... You, so the, the the earlier sequences, all you see is Fatima Mama's character actually having quite a fun time being the maid for the commissioner's family, and you know having to get the chickens and play the piano and all this stuff, and you don't see anything of what happens to the to the older sister with the engineer. So you you only hear it second or third hand, um, and so you don't really know what you know what what actually transpires you know you've, you've got the engineer's story towards the end when but yeah because but we i guess we haven't really got that far on the plot but, the, but you know, by, by, by the end you know she's she's gone there to kill him but she ends up kind of falling in love with him which which is again like one of those james mason films um but you don't really know you you know he took advantage of the of, of, of the older sister um but you you don't know how far this was taken um and, it, and and to what extent the sister was was um was happy for it to happen or not i mean it's very it's, it's not it's not made clear i think deliberately so hmm. let me pick up where i left off so um the sister the uncle kills the sister brings them all to the village 
but tells them they must say that it's the plague that killed the sister rather than he. Uh, they return to the village. Uh, the mother is being driven crazy with guilt. Uh, the sister accuses the uncle of not fulfilling his duty, which was not to kill the sister, but to protect her. Yeah. Uh, you know, rather than sending kind of, you know, vulnerable women on the road where they, they could not be protected. So the sister, the Fatim Hamama character, then runs away from uh, the village uh, and decides to, re to avenge her sister's death and to do so by getting a job with the engineer and poisoning him. She can't bring herself to poison him, uh, so she gets advice from the madam and decides that basically she's going to make him fall in love with her. Yeah, and drive him to ruin because, you know, the, the madam tells a story of, you know, a man who fell in love with this woman couldn't get her and therefore he, he started taking cocaine and opium <laughs> before dying a sad and lonely death yeah. in some gutter. So that's what she plans for him. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, as with the best laid plans, <laughs> they end up falling in love yes right? <laughs> i mean and which is which is the point where it kind of departs from this um sort of harsh critique of the patriarchy uh, but it's still it's still sort of it, it works as melodrama but it works less well as social commentary i think at that point well i mean i, th I think it still works beautifully because the th you know this is in keeping with melodrama where you know, you create these impossibilities because so the thing goes from one one type of impossibility to another, which is a moral and ethical one because their love is an impossible one because the death of the sister and what he did to his sister is always going to stand between them. So now, even though they love each other, instead of hating each other, there is this past that they cannot deal with. So how is the narrative going to resolve it? Well, luck, luckily, <laughs> well, well, you know, we need to remember there's still a murderous uncle <laughs> who's who's kind of wandering around murdering um, his nieces for lack of morals. So he, so so yeah. So essentially, I mean, the the, the resolution of this is they they yeah you know, they they embrace, but then suddenly the uncle appears with a gun and and uh, yeah, it, it has a. A, a tragic ending, but Fatin Hamama lives to to see another day, so that's that's all good. Yes, but le let's spoilers. I mean, we've been spoiling all along, but I think it's important the death because what happens is that the man redeems himself from having been discard for ninety five percent of the film by taking the bullet for her. Right, so she is allowed to live. The uncle is shown. Uh, to be an even more despicable character than you already thought him to be because the reason he's out to kill the other niece, the, the one he hasn't already killed, is not because he suspects her of wrongdoing, but actually because he's already sold her in marriage yeah, and has had to return the money. So, you know, he's lost 40 pounds, uh, uh, you know, uh, as a result of her actions. And therefore... That's what she's going to pay for, right? So I think the film is actually quite complex in its condemnations and multi-layered. Yeah, yeah. There's a great line just before that scene where the um, the the engineer says to her something like, "I'd I'd rather have your disdainful look next to me than your love from afar." <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so we're laughing, but actually it's one of those films where the melodrama is so potent that you you do laugh because, you know, there's a sense in which there's a preposterousness to it, but actually you also feel with it because, you know, the preposterousness is uh, one that if, that, if it doesn't quite mirror life, it makes all kinds of connections to actual conditions. Exactly, exactly. I think that's that's the thing. That, that yeah, it, it's you know particularly towards the end, it's it's this crazily overblown melodrama, but it's great and and it and it has a serious point it's making about what you know. Firstly, the the book has a very serious point that it was making about what conditions were like in Egypt in the in the nineteen thirties. I imagine in some areas it wasn't very different in the nineteen fifties. And as we as we as we've been discussing, there is still um, not a, well. Well, look, look at Afghanistan, but also look at what's going on in the UK at the moment. And it, it, you know, the, the, these these issues are very unfortunately very current. Yes, I mean, you know, what I would urge uh, listeners is, uh, you know, uh, um, I was going to say, if there are any feminists among you, though, you know, I hope. All of you are. (laughs) But I think this is a film that will be of particular interest to feminist film historians, because I do think that it has an extraordinary critique of of the patriarchy in it. Uh, And I think also that its mode of address is one that primarily addresses a female audience. Right. So the combination of all of these factors, I think, make it, you know, quite a remarkable film. Yeah. One really to, to see and talk. Oh, about. definitely. Um, and, and I mean, you know, because we, we've talked about really we've, we've talked about the themes and we've talked about the plot and we've talked about about, about the resonances. We've not we've not yet touched on the the, the, the style of filmmaking, which I, I, I thought was amazing. Um you know, it, it, well, tell me more about that. Why, so why think it was I thought the you know you look at the things like the camera movements, the way in the the early sequences in the house, he's kind of you know swooping in and out of windows, and and um, the, there's an amazing scene where the, just after the death of the older sister, where Fatin Hamama faints in the desert, and she sort of comes around in this room with just all these faces looming around her, filmed from different angles. It's, it's just all sorts of amazing sequences like that. And you know, it's clearly a very glossy, very high-budget film. A lot of location footage, um, very, very elaborate, convincing sets. And you sort of combat. And we've obviously talked about Shaheen's '50s films that we've been able to see, um, and you know, said, well, you know, we, we sort of attempted to compare compare those with other other Egyptian directors. But actually, the, you know, this is a very. I mean, well, Barakat has been making films since the early '40s, I think. So he, he's a very experienced director. But you know, it's very interesting that there were, you know, there were other directors, you know, equally as proficient as as Shaheen at around the same time. Well, uh, that's not my view. Uh, you know, I think uh, uh, this is, uh, um, you know, it's 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 good filmmaking. I agree with what you say about the camera movement, and I also noticed some of the compositions. Uh, I think in many ways he's more talented than Shaheen in relation to performances. Yeah, kind of, you know, all of the women in this, uh, particularly Mimi Shakib as Anuba, are superb, yeah, and charismatic. So, you know, they both give, give off the effects of film stars whilst also conveying characters. And that's something that actually is exceptional in Shaheen's work. Sha- Shaheen's work is often made up of, you know, performances that can be quite shaky, some of them. However, 
you know, in his use of camera and his use of mise-en-scene, in the complexity with which uh, uh, Shaheen dramatizes both a personal and a cultural and a historical uh, aspects of, uh, uh, you know, Egyptian culture. I think he is unparalleled, and this doesn't come close to it. However, you know, it's a film with many, many pleasures, with many popular pleasures. It's, it's a much more easily digestible uh, and more easily appealing film yeah. than most of Shaheen. Yeah, yeah. What's interesting is there's that, that excellent um, Shaheen interview from the 70s that that, uh, that movie put out. Um, recently, and he's asked about other Egyptian filmmakers, and he mentions quite a few other Egyptian filmmakers. Doesn't mention Henry Barakat, <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> so <laughs> maybe there's some shade being thrown there. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll see. And actually, I, uh, thank you for reminding me. I will put up uh, that uh, movie interview at the end of the blog post uh, that accompanies uh, this podcast. Uh, other than that, do you want to add the last word? Um, I, don't, I don't think so. So I think I think it, it was you know, fascinating to see this film. It, it, it's fascinating compared with the the other fifties Shaheen films, um, and and yeah, so it, it's uh, uh, has some very contemporary resonances as, as we've discussed, and uh, yeah, highly recommend it. Yes, I highly recommend it. Uh, also, I thought it was an extraordinary film, uh, and I urge uh, people uh, to see it. It's a film that's worth looking. At and discussing, and, and discussing in the light of, of current events in particular. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. Uh, we are thinking aloud about film in our guise uh, as the Youssef Shaheen uh, podcast. Uh, this is our, our 41st with more to come. Uh, I'm Jose. I'm Richard. Bye-bye. Bye.